Whether you're looking for a convenient refresher course, or a way to earn your Pragmatic certification at your own speed, or the chance to take a Pragmatic course from your specific corner of the world, then Foundations On Demand is the solution you need. Get the same great content, tools, and templates our Foundations course is famous for in a flexible and easy-to-use online learning platform. Learn the skills you need to build and market products people want to buy. And earn your Pragmatic Institute certification anywhere, anytime. No more travel worries, no more time zone issues, just truly great training. Experience the new way of training with Foundations On Demand from Pragmatic Institute. Visit pragmaticinstitute.com foundations to learn more. into our discussion, we can pop to the next slide, please. We are here to measure success through every stage of the product life cycle. So this conversation is really about how you can utilize key metrics to ensure that you're on track through every part of your product journey. And Anand is going to cover KPIs for development, GTM, growth, end of life phases, and just really share some tactical tips that are going to get you going today. And I did get a sneak peek. So I know that you guys are all really going to like this and I'm so excited for you to get to learn from him. So Anand has helped build over $2 billion valued startups. He's got a, a great knack for leading product growth and efforts. He's worked with fang companies like Facebook. And Anand is a mentor at Accelerators. He coaches over 100 PMs on how to really align product principles with success. And today, he's going to coach all of us for an hour. So let's get right to it. Welcome, Anand. Thank you for joining us. I hand the reins over to you. Hey, thank you, Georgina. Thank you all. I'm super glad to see nearly 500 participants up there. Thank you all for joining for the session. I hope I'm, I'm going to keep this session, you know, very uh, short, but also very useful and valuable for all of you, all of you and for the time. So thank you again for the Pragmatic Alumni community to allow me to present and talk about how to measure success through every stage of the product lifecycle. Just want to start with some quick introductions. Before I go there, I want to also say like, I'm going to keep this presentation more visual and more uh, more fun. I know like I, I've, I've been like focusing on visual teaching and visual coaching for some time now. So I want to utilize that in, in this presentation. So let's go into the session today. So to start with, again, I'm going to talk about how to measure success at every stage of the product lifecycle. And again, you're going to see a lot of these visuals that and characters that are going to come that are going to be consider them as product managers and product leaders that are presenting this before that a quick intro about me i've been in the tech space for last 18 years worked in as a software engineer product architect at horizon for more than six years then moved on into a product role probably 12 13 years ago worked at you know companies like pinsight media bungle both were acquired and then i went on to work at facebook i worked with them as a product growth leader for almost three and a half years worked at both uh, products like messenger instagram then there where i really understood all the nuances and then also started and understanding how to be a product leader as well. And then I went on to build companies and lead companies as a head of product, VP of product. The first company that I built is called Grin, which is in the creator economy space. They're valued at a billion dollars today. And then I've been working with Refusion for almost two years. And then recently I have an offer from TikTok as a head product uh, leader, and I'm evaluating that. But on the side, I've been coaching and advising and investing on startups. Currently, I'm, I've invested in nine startups as a, and, and mostly my role is a product advisor. So that's what I'm doing. Other than that, I'm also helping PM candidates in different mentor spaces, where I help them coach on different aspects, uh, including product management, product interviews, and you know, product anal analytics and all of these. So super excited to go in for the session today and help you as much as possible. Just to give you an agenda, what I'm going to cover today in a very quick three steps. 
Uh, the first area that I'm going to focus on is broadly talk about what this product life cycle stages are. How do you understand it? What does this model mean? And how do you really apply this model? So we'll start from there. And then the second thing I wanted to talk about before really going and deep diving into how to measure success as a PM in different cycle, uh, different stages, I want to focus on something called goal and the user journey funnel. Understanding that is very critical in understanding the measurement of success and understanding the key KPIs and metrics that you want to focus on. So let's start in from the first part, right? Again, going into the details of the product lifecycle stages, many of you may already be aware of what a product lifecycle stage is. So I created this kind of this visual diagram, which is explaining the different stages and the curve over which how your product goes through. And one side you have the users and the other side over time. So like every product, you have a development phase, you have a launch phase, you launch the product or you introduce the product to the market, and then you focus on something called product market fit. Is there, is it's the point at which whether the product that you're providing is actually meeting the needs of the customers or the users, and they're finding value and they want to pay for it, they want to come back for it. So that's the point of product market fit, beyond which you want to accelerate, your product accelerates in growth, and once it reaches a certain point, you've captured a certain percentage of the market, and then you reach a product maturity, and then you decline. In my mind, this is more of a theoretical model. Many products follow different cycles. There are products that go into the growth phase, and then they, they tank after that. There are products that go into maturity phase, and then all of a sudden we open up or uncover some feature areas that'll give another set of acceleration before decline happens. Also, from a time standpoint, different, it completely varies by product, right? Not, not all the products follow the same cycle. Some products have a much shorter cycle. Some products have a much longer cycle. So consider this as more of a theoretical model, but then, uh, but there's a lot of practical implementations of this model in your day-to-day -day product life. Before going into depth around how do we use this, how do you measure success in each stage, the first thing you should understand is how do you know which stage of this product lifecycle your current product is in, right? I can go into like, you know, broader areas and formulas and tell you like, this is what you should look at. But on a broad level, what we are looking at is like your user adoption cycle, right? Like how are users adopting your product? At the launch phase, you have, you know, the early adopters using, uh, using your product coming in. And then at a point in which you're continuously iterating and using them to learn, and understand whether this particular target segment is actually valuing the features that you have launched. And then once you achieve product market fit, you put in all the effort to grow in that segment and make sure that you, know, like you capture more of that market and you reach after a certain point of maturity. So overall, understanding how user adoption happens in your product and how the, how the users engage in your product. And eventually for some companies, this means sale, that they buy the product and use the product, is how product life cycle stage can be determined. Again, there's a lot of nuances in this. If you're a SaaS company that has focused on subscription, the idea is slightly different. If you are, let's say, a B2C company or a consumer-to-consumer -consumer company, then you are actually, you know, like the parameters that over which you will decide which phase you are in are slightly different. So without going into the too, much, too many details of this, I'm, I'm going to go into explaining what is, you know, understanding goal, mission, and, and objective mean. We'll come back to this product life cycle and stages as well. The reason why I want to touch on goal, which is the foundation over which you can measure any success, right? There's actually two things in any given product. One is called product mission. Another is called the business objective. What does that mean? So it's very foundational, but it's, it's actually very, very important to understand. Product mission explains why the product exists, right? The, the foundational purpose of your product. What user segment does it help? Or where does it provide value? What uh, unique problems does it solve? What differentiation does it have, right? The why behind your product. It's very important to understand the product mission of your, of your current product. Many companies do come out with a product mission statement while launching the product or keep having this or have a proper statement or some companies don't even have one. But having a product mission is foundation to understanding 
to measure success, right? Without understanding where we are going, we cannot measure success. It's as foundational as it as as this point, right? So understand the why, what is very important. And if you don't have, let's say you're a product manager and your product doesn't have a product mission statement, it's important that you bring an alignment and create a product mission statement. The second thing is business objective, right? Business objective is what does the business wants the product to focus on at any given time in the product lifecycle, right? So at some point, the business will want the product to focus on user acquisition. At some point, it'll want the product to focus on engagement. Maybe another point it wants to focus on monetization. Good example, WhatsApp, right? WhatsApp has amazing amount of users, amazing amount of engagement. So they're continuously pushing WhatsApp to focus on monetization because it doesn't have a, a good monetization strategy yet. So depending on the phase of the product and depending on what the business thinks the product should focus on, we create a business objective. It could be quantitative areas like improvement of engagement or retention. It could be qualitative as well, uh, like improve customer satisfaction or, uh, or other areas, right? So that's what business objective is. And just to make it very clear here, right? Product mission doesn't change over the product life cycle, right? Product mission starts in an area and you want to continue to focus on and improve. You want to keep that trajectory, right? So this is what the product serves and you don't change it quite often. So pretty much it stays the same, right? Facebook, for example, they've kept their product mission for, a, for almost 10 years the same and then eventually they change the mission. Uh, TikTok's mission probably is to inspire creativity and bring joy and things like that, right? Whereas business objective can change depending on the life cycle, depending on the quarter, depending on the year. So that could that could change. So for in order for you to measure success at any given point in your product, you should foundationally understand these two principles, product mission and business objective. Let me go into talking about the second part, uh, which is very important to understand before we talk about how to measure success, which is called understanding the user journey, or people call it the user flow funnel, or some people call it the RM funnel, which is actually like the journey over which the user goes through the product, which starts from the acquisition phase, the activation of the user, the user engagement where the user is finding value, the user retention where the user is coming back again and again, and the user goes to refer your product, and then finally, you're able to get the user to pay for the product, right? Just going into the details here, all not all the products will form this user journey flow or user funnel flow, right? It, it, it depends. There are some products that might have monetization way ahead in the, in the, as part of their activation. So without paying, you cannot get into the product or use the product, right? So there is nuances in which how this funnel approach can be applied to different products. But this is an overall, again, a model that can be used to understand how users go through different parts of your product and where does the user or the user cohort are currently in which stage of the product so that you understand how to measure success in the overall product level. Just to quickly reiterate what are this funnel, again, AAERRM is a good way to think about this. Again, acquisition is like understanding how many users are discovering the product or what channels they're coming into the product. Activation, some products will have something called user registration process or user login creation, or like some process will have an initial payment or credit card update. So understand what your activation part of the funnel is and you wanna measure how many of these users are coming into that part of the funnel and, act, and using it at that particular time. Engagement, this is the most important part of your user uh, usage funnel. Engagement is where actually users find value in the product, right? So people say that it's not just the number of users that are coming into your product, how many of the users are coming in, but how many users are finding depth value in your product and how much value they're getting out of the product is what you want to constantly measure. And that's what engagement is. The next step is retention, right? Are these users coming back to use the product again and again? And at the same time, are, the, are these users talking about your product to others? Are these users referring your product to others, sharing about your product to others, and constantly promoting your product, become your evangelist, right? Last but not the least, if your monetization is part of the last part of your funnel, are these users paying for the value that they're getting out of it, right? Are they willing to pay for it? Are you able to 
you know, get without that monetization layer, the product becomes not sustainable. So how are we going to do that? Either direct monetization, either from the customers, or there are some products will have indirect monetization like ads and other ways that they can monetize as well. So this is a very important way, part of the, uh, you uh, like, this is an important concept that people have to understand for you to really understand how to measure success in different stages of the product. Let me go into connecting these two concepts, right? So on one side, I spoke about the product lifecycle stages. On the other side, I spoke about customer journey funnel. How does this all come together, right? So this is how they come together. These are two parallel things that are happening, right? So product is going through every stage from the launch to enter to the growth stage, to the maturity to decline. But users are also going through the, the user journey funnel in each and every stage, right? Like when you launch the product, users are still getting acquired, they're doing getting activated, they have engagement, that's what you're checking. And then as you do go into growth, still new users are coming into your product, you know, later users who adopt the product later in a mature stage, they also come into the product. So the user journey is constantly happening in each of these funnels and the user cohorts are going through your product no matter which part of the funnel your product is in, right? Which part of the life cycle stage your product is in. So that's how these two concepts come together, right? Again, but what would you prioritize among these two measure success will vary depending on the stage, which is what we will be talking about next. Hopefully that that's that's very clear, right? So let me walk through the funnel. What does these mean? What are some of the KPIs and metrics we should understand and measure before you know, like we go into the each stage and understand what that what that means, right? This is an acquisition. All that means is like number of users visiting from the different channels. You know, the time to activate, how long you know they come into the product, and and the time for them to activate, and the cost of inbound is traffic, right? How much are you spending from a marketing acquisition standpoint to get inbound inbound traffic to your product? Activation is 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 the next step in which they're registering into it. They're creating a sign up. Some products have started skipping the step. Then you know you can merge the acquisition activation in one bucket. But still, how many of the customers are actually uh, users are actually signing up, creating profile again per day, per week, per month, depending on the time criteria that you want to measure. You can keep those metrics right. One of the most important metrics that you want to understand is the MAUs and DAUs, right? Monthly active users and daily active users. Why is monthly active users and daily active users, part of activation, not necessarily engagement, because active in general means users are coming and spending some time in your product, not necessarily going in depth and finding value. So what you can generally differentiate is the active users versus engaged users, right? Are users really coming into the product and going out? And that's what you wanna measure at the activation level. Are people activate uh, continuously, you know, coming in, logging in and going out? So that's one level, but when you want to go into engagement, you want to really measure the depth value that they're getting. Another important metric that you want to focus at the activation level is cost of acquisition, right? Especially for SaaS companies, CAC is a key area to think about, right? Cost of acquisition. How does how much are you spending for a customer to come in into the thing, look at your product, and actually sign up for the product? That's a key metric to look at. The other one is on the engagement, right? This is the most important part of the user funnel is to, this is the place where you really connect it back to the mission of the product to see whether the users are finding value in your product or not. Broadly speaking, right? I can talk about engagement metrics all day. There's a lot of nuances in it. It varies by the product type, product category, and what you should measure in different products and what makes sense. What is key metric? What is a vanity metric? Those are all important. Let me give you some examples, right? So at the foundational level, right, engagement has three dimensions. One is the length of engagement, depth of engagement, and then the third dimension is frequency of engagement. What that what does that mean, right? Let's say you take a product like TikTok. You want to measure length of engagement is like how much time the users are spending in the product, right? It's an infotainment product, it's an entertainment product. So you want to measure the time spent in the product. You want to see how long they're spending time, you want to see how much they're engaged in the product. And then depth of engagement is what are the depth of activities that they're doing in the product, which includes the likes, comments, and shares that they're doing, right? So that's an example of the depth of engagement. A frequency of engagement is something like number of sessions that they're coming in per day, per week, 
and and uh, you know the session including the session length right so those are things to think about but imagine an, a saas product in 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 a saas product you don't measure time spent in the product in fact time spent becomes the opposite you want to actually reduce the time spent by the user in the product so time spent will not be a key metric there in that case you look at the productivity or the user value that you promise in the mission right so engagement is where you understand whether the users are finding value in the product and how much value they're able to extract from your product on a broad level you look at the total actively engaged users over the active users or users who are coming in that's what you want to measure at the funnel level again going to the next three stages the retention referral and monetization retention is where you want to measure how often these users come back right there's something called l7 metric within a 7 day period how often they come back there's l28 retention within a 28 day period how often they come back there's also like 3dw like within a week in a one week period how many do they come back three times in a week right so that's three days in a week those are some metrics that some of these companies follow another good metric is stickiness ratio which is a ratio of dau to mau which tells you like how how of the daily active users how many of the oh, sorry of the monthly active users how often they come back on a daily basis right so that gives you a stickiness ratio the flip side of retention is churn you also have to measure how users are churning out and they don't come back at all so you want to measure that as well and a referral as i said is like how many times uh, how many of these users are sharing things in pub public if you build a referral code based system how many of these new users are coming through these referral codes and links that are being done right it's a really good positive thing and there's also like if you look at nps scoring system it also talks about this right if your users are really going and promoting your product and and things like that so it's a very important way to measure customer satisfaction with nps the last but not the least monetization how much revenue you're making per user again this is more like a saas metric again some of this could also be applied to a you know a business to consumer product as well another key important metric is lifetime lifetime value it's just like the overall value that you estimate that the customer or the user is going to give uh, give back to you in terms of monetization value something that you measure usually in saas companies you measure the ratio of cost of acquisition to ltv so you understand how much is the net roi from the user right how much how long did they stay in the product and how many months did they subscribe and pay for for the amount of cost that you spent to get them acquired so i i'm going to pause here at this point before we go into the next things i know i get i'm seeing a lot of questions come here uh, jarjin if you have uh, any questions on this particular topics that we covered i'm happy to answer before we go further into measuring success here yeah absolutely thank you we do have a number of questions we're going to save the discussion based questions for the end but i've got a couple uh, clarifying and definition based questions for you could you clarify for us the difference between cost of inbound traffic in acquisition versus the cost of acquisition that's in the activation section sure yeah one uh, so there are two layers here right if you look at the funnel again this is not applicable to all products this varies by products one is like how many users are visiting your site let's say you're spending on advertising how many users are visiting your site let's say 1000 users are coming to visit your site and then out of the 1000 users 200 of them are actually signing up in your site they're creating the profile or the registration process you're doing so 200 is the and how so if you're spending let's say thousand dollars to get 200 users so your cost of acquisition sorry if you if you're spending thousand dollars and then you get thousand users to visit your site that's cost of is the first level of is the cost of the traffic to the site right like so you are spending almost a dollar to get a user but for you to get that user to be activated only a part of that will get activated let's say 20% of that so then your cost of acquisition is a dollar but a cost of activation becomes 5 dollars in this case right so because only a part of that user goes to the next step of the funnel that you intend them intend them to go to, go to does that make sense i think that sounds great thank you let's see we had We had another question. Could you just remind us very briefly what the acronyms MRR and also ARR stand for? Yeah, this is monthly revenue rates and annual revenue rate. It's basically understanding how much revenue is coming to the company in terms of especially for SaaS companies, these are key metrics to measure how much revenue is the company making month over month or on an annual basis. 
Awesome. And then one other one, um, which you can answer quickly, is there a threshold for stickiness ratio that you would consider to be very good or, or maybe poor? Yeah, it's a good question. Again, like right now we're talking about broad products. It completely varies by the product category and product type. Again, there is benchmarks for the SaaS world, which I'm happy to share after the call. Again, there's no like one threshold for stickiness ratio. There's no one threshold for retention rate because it varies by the product category, product type, and what, you know, what exactly, what domain are you in also comes into picture. Usually what people do is they create standards across these domains. If it's a SaaS product of this type, then this is kind of like a benchmark. That's That's how they take it from there. Awesome. Thank you. All right, folks, we are going to carry on forward. Just a reminder, we will have another Q&A session at the end of this call. If you'd like to ask a question for Anand to respond to, please, it has to go in the Q&A box so it doesn't get lost in the chat. But if you've got a question you'd like a peer to answer or discuss with you, the chat is the right place. Back to you. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah. So again, I wanted to go into the core product part of our discussion, right? how to measure success in each stage of the product lifecycle. Now that we've understood two foundational concepts, let's also understand something. What is the role of a PM, right? What, what is your core role as a PM in each stage of the product lifecycle? And then at, at last we can bring all this together on what actions should you look at? What KPIs should we think about in each stage and what should we measure for success, okay? So going into that, just, you know, like I put together the slide of understanding, like what is your role as a PM in each stage of the product lifecycle? And also understand which stage your product is in. Again, going from, from the left to right here, at the development stage, you are a problem owner or a product owner, right? So that's what you are. You're looking at the problem discovery phase, understanding the different problems of the uh, users or the different segments that you want to focus on, prioritize the right needs, and then you come out and work with your engineering team and your design teams to develop the right solutions and prioritize them. That's your full role, right? You're, you're an enabler to the development team. So, and, and your role is to not only provide the inputs and the user stories, but also make sure that the development team is able to deploy and develop and develop and you know deploy these solutions that you've built as part of your development plan. So that's the first phase. The second phase is when you have a MVP uh, that's built. MVP means minimum viable product. Let's say you build a MVP solution. And at that stage, you become a user expert or a product expert where you want to constantly understand the users and iterate on the MVP or the product that you've built to you know, become that user expert and make sure that you are satisfying the needs of the user, right? Providing them value and what need that you're doing satisfying are you satisfying in the most possible differentiated way giving them delight for the end users so that's what you're measuring at that stage being a product expert being a, a user expert at that stage and then once your product reaches that product market fit we'll talk about that and your role becomes a growth hacker right what are some of the growth hacking techniques that you will use from that point to help accelerate growth of your product in the target segment and capture as much market share that's possible. And as you go through that phase of growth, then, you know, like you reach a certain phase, let's say you have 40% of the market and you pretty much feel that you're reaching a point of saturation. Then you go into an area called the maturity phase where your role is a retention specialist. You want to make sure that the users who have come into your product are using it regularly and they're coming back to use your product. You might be, I said, like, this is not the exact funnel. You might do development all through these phases as well. So you're continuously trading and improving even in the maturity level, but maturity stage. But your goal there is to be a strong retention specialist. You have already captured a certain part of the market share, and you don't want to lose that market share to disruptors or newcomers. So you want to make sure that you cater to those customers, provide value continuously, and be a retention specialist. And then sometimes we, we don't know that doesn't happen, and the product might lose users, and it might start going into the decline phase, right? Again, or sometimes you as a product person is given a product that's already going into a decline phase. So any of that could happen. In that case, your role there is to be a pivot strategist or an expansion strategist where you know your current product has saturated its need and users are not finding as much value. 
then how do you actually expand and build areas onto your product or find new areas to go into? Or in, in at sometimes your the business might ask you to sunset the product as well. So that's the phase that where you are, you are where your role is a pivot strategist or an expansion strategist. Understanding what your role is in each stage, along with as I said, the goals, the user journey, and the funnel is very important for us to measure success in each stage. Hopefully that makes sense. I uh, want to give a quick input on what, what this all means. Let's go into the depth of it right now. Let's say on the development phase, as I said, your role is a problem owner or a product owner, right? Your goal is to prioritize the right user problems and build a viable solution, right? Uh, de to deliver you know, a great MVP, or, or to provide a, a, you know like provide a good solution that can come out of this phase, right? So what you're doing here is you're pretty much closely working with your design teams, development teams, and TPMs, and provide prioritized user problems, user stories, and work with them to brainstorm solutions and develop stories, right? That's the phase. One, a couple of key metrics on the development side that you should development phase that you as a product manager should be looking at is one thing called on-time delivery, right? So to understand whether the estimated backlogs and product prioritized user stories are all getting delivered as you're planned for a given sprint or like for a given phase or a given quarter, right? So that's what your role is to constantly look at the on-time delivery. The second part of that is work collaboratively as a team to understand team velocity, right? Not just the development velocity, design velocity, but also as a product team, product and development team, are you understanding the team velocity? And are you working closely in the agile process, which most of these companies are following to assess the performance of the different teams and constantly do retrospectives to improve that, right? That's a key job of a product manager or a product owner at this point, right? That's, that's a key thing. The other thing you should also be looking at is quality of the product that's getting released. You should also be working closely with the Q&A or the testing teams to understand how good the quality of this, how many bugs are being written, the bug rate that's a, that are coming up and how well you're able to deliver development outputs, right? So that's kind of the phase where you are. And those are your important key metrics and KPIs that you want to measure. The second part of the phase is the introduction phase or the launch phase. This is the phase, as I mentioned, your goal is to achieve product market fit, help you understand whether the features that you're building with all those discovery that you did and the prioritization that you did and, and the launch that you're doing, is it actually creating values for the user? Is it actually delighting the user? Is it actually helping them, you know, like distinguish from the competition? And is it actually going to give you that sustainable monetization phase? Right. That's the goal of this phase is to achieve product market fit. And you're constantly iterating, working with the development team, and you're becoming a user expert, understanding all the small nuances, what kind of users are using your current product that you have launched in that you know, alpha beta phase, and see what needs are met, what needs are unmet, you know, develop new insights out of it. The key aspect of this phase, as you move from this phase to next phase, is to continuously measure user engagement, right? It's not just it's very important that you focus on user engagement, users for finding value in your product, not just user acquisition, how many users are coming into your product, because you might end up into a leaky bucket problem where you, you don't have a proper solution and you keep bringing new users into your product and they don't, they don't find value, they leave the product, right? So your goal is to make sure that the users who are coming in are finding good value in the product, are engaged in the product. So that's an important thing that you'll look at. The second thing that you look at, again, with that early adopters or the alpha beta phase, you want to understand is the feature adoption, right? How are they adopting the features? How are they, and you know, like how are they using the features? Which features are getting used most? What features are they finding higher value, right? That's an important thing to look at from a qualitative side. The third thing that you should be starting to measure from this point on is the NPS or the CSAT, right? So you get the the quantitative metrics on user engagement, feature adoption from the, you know, as a key metric, but also you should look at the qualitative side, which is the customer satisfaction or the NPS and how are the users really looking at these features or looking at the product and overall, is it really meeting their need? Is there, are they finding value here? We'll also talk about something called the PMF criteria, the product market fit criteria, and how do you really know 
whether you have achieved product market fit or not. It's an important thing to understand in this space. So this is what I'm going to talk uh, again. I, I could do a whole day of workshop on these areas, but I want to give a quick summary on some of these, right? So product market fit, what does that mean is it's how well are you able to serve the needs of your target customers or target users with the solutions that you have built, right? How well are you, filled that, are you able to bridge the gap, right? You're building a solution with your value proposition, with your features and UX and all that. And then on the other side, the customers have different needs and some of them are high priority, low priority. How are you able to identify how well are you able to solve for that? And then the more you solve that, the more you're able to build a product market fit product, right? So that's kind of like the phase that you're in. So there are many popular methods, but there's no one standard method to measure product market fit. One of the most common methods that people talk about is the Sean Ellis survey method. It's called the 40% rule, right? What they do is they send a survey out to your actively engaged users and they expect 40% of your engaged users to say they will be disappointed without the product, right? If the product is removed tomorrow, they'll be very disappointed because they don't have a substitute for that. So that's one of the ways to do that. There is also a, a method called cohort retention rate. So they also look at the retention of cohorts. They're coming back or not, how often they come back, are they finding value again? A healthy number is at least 10% or 11% have to come back regularly. Again, it varies by the time period, varies by the product category and product type. The third, there's another metric that people also use in a very thumb rule way is use the NPS itself and see if the NPS is in a positive case, it's in a plus 30 consistently. And then they say like your product is achieved product market fit. Some people use the referral method, which is how, how many of your users are actually actively engaged users are going and talking about your product, are referring your product to others. That's another metric. Again, 30%, 20% varies by the company. So referral method is another one, right? So many of these methods you can use depending on the product category, product type, you can talk about this. But at the core of it, what is your earliest indicator that your product is achieving product market fit? And that's why I said engagement is at the core of it. If engagement is happening well, the users are finding value in your product, let's say, in an entertainment product, they're spending more time. Let's say in a SaaS product, they're, they're, they're getting the value. Let's say if it's a product like HubSpot, that you know, like the, the core uh, engagement would be like how many leads they're able to generate, right? So are they able to get that value out of your product, right? That's what you want to measure. And that earliest indicator is what you want to focus on. If that is really good, let's say if 100 people come to your product and 80% of those people are finding value in your product, that's a good thing because eventually all these 80% of the people will give you, give you, you know, like a positive NPS. They will refer your product. They will come back to your product. They will, you know, like uh, say that without your product, they'll be disappointed, right? So that's kind of like all this will be satisfied if you focus on the earliest indicator that users are finding value in your product. And that's measured by engagement metrics, which then follows by retention, referral, and other CSAT as well. Hopefully that's clear. And then again, we'll, this is a whole topic that they can take an entire workshop on. The next thing is, next phase as you go, after you achieve product market fit is the growth phase, right? Where you're a growth hacker there. Again, the core area here is to continuously mine data to uncover patterns and gain insights. Off late, you know, probably you've heard about a lot about this product-led growth or even product growth as principle. I was a product growth manager at Facebook for almost four years there. So there's a lot of nuances that you want to apply on top of the product that is achieved product market fit to scale. There's many principles. We There are more than 13 principles on product growth. You know, like there are things like use partnership as a way to grow. Use, you know, like understand where your users are hanging out. Bring your product to your users. Like for example, Honey.io is a good example. They, they created a deals website like anybody else, but users were not coming to that. They created a Chrome plugin that was at the point of, purchase, the Chrome plugin would give you a coupon code, and then they were able to get millions of users. And then that company got acquired eventually. So understanding what are some of the product growth principles and, and put your ha growth hacker hat, and then look at how do you really accelerate now that your product has achieved a, some level of product market fit, how do you accelerate growth? How do you get more of the market share? That's, that's what you should be looking at at this stage. Again, constantly perform growth experiments, and you know, remove friction in the funnel when people are onboarding and things like that, right? 
those are the key actions to think about. The metrics at this phase, again, constantly look at your engagement, never take your eye off engagement because that's where users are finding value. But at this stage, you should also look at things like percentage of market share, customer acquisition rate, the churn rate and retention rate, also things like referral rate. Are they organically referring your product to other people, right? So those are important things to consider and understand. Again, the fourth stage of maturity, a product has reached maturity. It's got, let's say, a certain percentage of the market share, and it's not growing at the same phase that it used to grow, and the growth is you know, becoming slowing down, and you're not able to find new customers and new value propositions in your product. This is the phase where your goal is to understand how your current users are staying in your product and not leaving your product. You wanted to make sure that you are able to find new ways or new value propositions that you can build quickly and that has high ROI that can get you back into a growth trajectory, right? That should be your goal. At the same time, prevent users from leaving your product to disruptors or other competitors. That's kind of the key thing, right? A lot of the people use on the SaaS side, people use techniques like you know lock-in periods. They lock the users for a longer period, a year, yearly agreement and things like that. But even at the product level, you can build features in the product that makes the users retain, right? You integrated your product with other solutions that they use. So they kind of become part of the ecosystem and they remind longer period in your in your product. That's your goal. Again, your goal is to constantly identify new value propositions, even find new new user segments so that you can constantly grow and improve. But if that's not happening, at least make sure that your users are retained in your product and the revenue and the uh, average revenue per user and the rev overall revenue and the retention rate is not going down. At, at this stage, you also want to understand what are the new features you want to develop, as I said, and see if there is an adoption rate that you want to focus on. Last but not the least, as you're entering into the decline phase, you are wondering like, hey, what should I do here, right? Again, there is two options here. Your goal is to determine the best outcome. One is again, be a pivot strategist, be an expansion strategist, find new areas, identify quick wins that you can build on, not and, and then find a way for your product to evolve into capturing new audience. Or it might be said, the business is not able to sustain new development and all that at this phase. And at that, at that stage, you have to understand that your mindset should be, a, should be around, how do, we, how do you phase out or sunset gracefully, right? How do you make sure that the users are, there's a win-win that you create between your user and the product when you're sunsetting as well. These are some things that you need to be looking at. And at this point, as I said, right, one is like focus on enhancements that have high ROI. So you're able to sustain that. At this point, your revenue is slowing down. So you got to also understand burn rate, which is how much of the money that you're throwing for development, R&D and other things. At the same time, what amount of money comes in. So you have to constantly be looking at that and make a decision around sunsetting and all that. Last but not the least, understand user churn rate, MRR, ARR as well. So these are the key things to be watching out for when you're declining and making sure you're making the right business outcome for the product. Just going to make a quick conclusion, conclusion here. One is to measure success, always understand the why behind the product, the product mission and the business objective. Also understand the user journey, the key actions and the metrics that you want to measure along the user journey. Understand the product lifecycle stage, which stage you are in, and appropriately choose the right key metrics to measure. Also, stay away from vanity metrics, right? For example, as I said, you know, time spent can be a great metric for an entertainment product, but time spent can be a bad metric for a uh, product that is doing automation for users, right? Like you want to understand what's the value that you're creating to a user and then create the right appropriate key metrics and stay away from vanity metrics. That's all I would conclude for the day. Again, we can talk about this all day. So happy that I was able to cover this. Last but not the least, I wanted to say thank you. Thank you for all of you to, uh, who have joined today to attend the session. Hopefully this was valuable and helpful. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. My LinkedIn is here. Uh, for you to reach out. Uh, I want to also quickly say thank you. I'm investing in a platform and I'm a product advisor to a platform called DriveFi, but you see all these sketches brought from there. And there's a DriveFi, Alina, thanks for her to help me sketch all these things to make it more visual so that it's easy to learn and understand. I'm going to pause there, Georgina. Hopefully we have more questions. I'm able to answer. We are like roughly 10 minutes.
Yeah, we have a record number of questions, all sorts. But the first one that I want to start with, I love Stephen's question. He said, what books would I would you recommend that cover these concepts? So I wondered if you wanted to share a little bit with us about your forthcoming book. Oh, yeah. So I'm writing a book around like product metrics and, and one on product leadership. It's going to be very visual. It's going to have like all these visual elements in it. Uh, I think like expected like early part of next year. So to be launched and I'll, I'll definitely judge and I'll send out the message for people to take a look at it. It's not going to have a lot of text. I don't believe in reading a lot of text myself. I, I am a very visual learner myself. So I'm keeping it short second and very to the point. There's one book called The CPO's Guide that's coming up. And another one that I'm focusing on is product growth and metrics. So that's the book. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. And I know that there's a lot of excited people in the chat and comment section that are going to be really excited to see that coming. And we did get a couple questions specifically requesting the tool that you used for your slides and your graphics. So the answer there, folks, is Drawify. So thank you very much for sharing that. All right, I'm going to jump in. We've just got a couple minutes for a lot of questions here. So one kind of larger theme of questions that came in was about how to translate some of these best practices and these principles into a purely B2B context, especially around engagement because user frequency or, frequency or um, user base might be smaller. So do you have any tips on that? Yeah, no, yeah, it's great. I've worked in B2B SaaS companies, so many of this is actually applicable in, in a lot of B2B setting. So there are two things here, right? Like one is, there are two questions that was asked. One is like, how do you understand some of this? So like always understand what user value and value that you're providing to your user, right? What's the mission of your SaaS product? What does it help for the end the enterprise or end user that is using your product? So understand that to build an engagement score and metric around that. Are you really able to do that? We call this the mission metric. Are you able to provide real value to the end user for the money that they're paying? So that's one thing. That's one part of the question. The second part of the question, I think the, uh, can you repeat that second part of the question, please? Yeah, uh, there. the question is really around how sometimes the user base is smaller. Um, sure. yeah. So, it, you know, a change from one to three is actually a big deal, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the uh, to answer that question, again, like the market size is definitely small. There are two parts to that question. User size being small helps you, helps you and also has problems. Like one is like, so... If I do a B2C product, which is you know end user product, there is very less qualitative feedback that I can get, right? What I do usually with B2B SaaS products is form a customer panel, right? Like 10 people, 20 people and all that. That can constantly help you provide that direct input, which may not be possible in a B2C setting all the time. And it's, it's wide. So that's the advantage. And then the other side is like, you just have to appropriately number it. Let's say you have, you're looking at targeting a certain domain, let's say e-commerce, and then there are so many e-commerce companies out there or e-commerce merchants out there, and then you break it down and say like, okay, these are the types that I'm going to manage and this is my potential market, right? So you'll have a number of that. There are, let's say, 50,000, like maybe there's 1 million customers on Shopify, and then let's say 50,000 of them are high value. This is what my target is. So kind of like really break down your market, understand there's a lot of good you know, data, aggregators out there who can provide you some estimation of the market over which you can decide, okay, this part of the segment is what I achieve. If you achieve 5% of the market, then that's good. So kind of come out with a number from a market number that could be an easy way to do, do it or look at it from a competitor standpoint, who are your competitors? And if you have access to understand how big they are, and then that could also can help you scope it to understand where should you be in terms of like growth and all that. Awesome. That's really helpful in clarifying. Thank you. Another question that was asked in a number of ways by a number of people was about how to record and track all of these metrics in a meaningful way, either with a framework, a specific online tool, or just general best practices you recommend. Yeah, it's good. I, I think like there are many tools that are really good and product usage and measurement that you can definitely use to understand engagement of the user. And there, there are, again, again, I could name many, many tools that people use on the product level. There's also like broadly 
tools like Google Analytics are also useful to understand the top level metrics. So usually what I do is I do a combination of this. So I, I do the product usage tools, I bring in data from there. I, I take the qualitative tools where I get the CSAT and all that I bring together. And then I also combine that with uh, my own DB queries on seeing like, okay, if the customer upgraded, if the customer is not there. So the bunch of queries that I do, and then I bring all that together to pro something called a product dashboard and then look at it in an overall way. Okay, where does our product go? Like whether users are finding value or not. So that is what you can create as an overall dashboard with usage metrics, with business level metrics, and with you know some of the growth metrics as well. Bring that all together into one unified place so you can wake up and look at it on a regular, regular basis and see if something is going right or wrong. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, jumping right into what might be the last question, really about collaboration across the entire team for organizations that have separate roles for product managers as well as product owners. How do both of those roles participate in measuring success together? Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah, definitely, right? Like again, the startups that I've built and worked on or like in my previous role as well, usually I have the same person to manage both sides. The product manager becomes the product owner in the Scrum language, and then they have to work closely with the development teams, deliver the user stories as needed, right? But if you have them separate, you still have a bit more luxury in your hand. Then what you can do is like the product manager's role can focus a little bit more strategic, kind of like understanding the market, understanding the customer side, understanding the business side more. And then they can you they can work with the product owners like very collaboratively to help translate those business requirements and actual user stories, actual scrum development. And, and so the product owner can go a little bit more technical into it. And the product manager can be a little bit more strategic business facing connecting with the business side. And both can prioritize the tasks. Again, there's so much to do as a as a PM, so you can actually clearly delineate the work and then separate it among them. And that way you can actually have higher velocity of delivery as well. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. All right, folks, I am so sorry that we are bumping up against the end of our time together uh, because I have absolutely loved this and it seems like everybody else has too because there are dozens and dozens of exciting praises and thank yous in the chat. So Anand, Thank you so much for sharing um, such wonderful info with us. If you enjoyed this, please join us next time. We are talking to Sandy Olson from Microsoft about how your asset assessment can help you with your competition and positioning. So in the meantime, please go follow Anand on LinkedIn, connect with him, follow him. I know that I count him a very, a very potent follow. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you so much. Thank you again, Georgina, like for the for the opportunity. Thank you all for joining today. And hopefully this was all helpful. And please feel free to ping me or message me or connect with me to know more or any of these areas. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you everyone for joining for your wonderful questions. We will catch you next time. Bye.